What's going on? Welcome back to the James Kennedy Podcast. Thanks for tuning back in. I'm probably going to sound a little bit croaky because I lost my voice on the weekend, um, which seems to be a recurring thing. Ever since I came out of the pandemic, I just seem to be ill all of the fucking time. Pre-pandem, I never got ill at all. I was like, what's wrong with everybody being ill? I, like, how does that work? I, like, I just never got ill. It was crazy. Uh, and I think maybe I got a little bit too cocky about it because, like, coming out of the pandemic, I'm just on my ass all the time, man. I don't know if it's uh, long COVID or if it's just my immune system's on the floor because I was in the house for, like, three years. Or uh, I don't know what it is. Or, you know, I just, you know, if I just lost the magic touch now and this is my life this is my destined to just be forever complaining about some ailment or other um but yeah basically uh my throat is like razors pretty much constantly got a headache and i've got that weird light sensitivity thing happening again i don't know what the fuck it is and i wish there was like more medical people (laughs) listening to this podcast that could tell me what it is because it's doing my head in but um hey ho there we go um that's why my voice sounds a bit fucked but we're over 40 episodes now, man. I remember in the first episode of the podcast, I said that I'd probably end up doing three of these things and then jacking it in. Uh, but now we're over 40, man. This is episode number 41. And uh, man, what a run we've had. If you're new to the podcast and you haven't checked out some of the previous episodes, do have a look, man. It's a mixed bag. It's been very musician heavy lately. And as I mentioned previously, that's just because this is the time of year when you can catch these guys, you know, when they're not touring and you know constantly uh, hard to pin down so you know the first couple of months of the year is generally a little bit easier to get musicians on so um, that's why a lot of the episodes lately have been uh, focused on music but have a route around through the previous episodes man when we had the amazing um, professor tim specter on two weeks ago we had luke ambler from andy's man club talking about mental health the week before that uh, stella assange of course talking about julian assange's fucking terrible state of affairs just a few weeks before that uh nathan paul southern talking about digital slavery professor peter phillips talking about the elite greg Pallast, lee camp that we've done episodes on everything you name it man we've done all shitloads of stuff so have a little route through the previous episodes because there's some really really good conversations in there on some really important topics with some really awesome dudes so have a little route around and of course then you've got plenty of rock stars to keep you entertained as well who will be swearing more than likely slagging off the tories and, you know, making us all feel jealous about how awesome their uh, their life is. Previous music guests include Frank Turner, Benji Webb, Jace Lewis, Alan Clifford, and the awesome Mark Chadwick, of course, from The Levelers, who was on last week's episode. That's a good one. Talking about dropping some C-bombs, baby. Go and check that one out. And today, we've got one I've been looking forward to for a long time. Because today we are joined by, can you guess it, another Welshman. <laughs> it's becoming a recurring theme in this podcast now, getting local Welsh legends on the show. But um, today's guest was actually, like, hails from about two minutes away from where I was raised in Pool as well. So uh, this is going to be super interesting. I want to get the backstory on this because our lives uh, started in the same place but then took very different directions. And uh, today's guest is now the six-stringed wizard, the mohawked evil genius in the mighty, roof-rattling, floor-disturbing band Pendulum. If you don't know already, I'm joined today by the brilliant Peredia Apgwyneth. Perry, thanks so much for joining us, man. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for asking me on the pod. I'm honoured. Well, it's an honour to have you, man. I mean, thanks for joining us. I mean, I'm looking forward to picking your brains. We've got loads of stuff I want to get into. <laughs> but uh, first, I just want to double check. You you are a Pontypool boy, is that right? That's right. Yeah, I was born in Pontypool. Um, 
Uh, and then I lived in pont la for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so I'm a Gwent boy, or Monmouthshire boy. Is it, is it Monmouthshire, or is it still Gwent? It's Monmouthshire now, I think it? it's Monmouthshire, yeah. Monmouthshire, yeah, Monmouthshire yeah. Massive. It's, yeah, it's so confusing. You know? Every time they change the names of the counties, I'm like, where am I from again? I know, yeah. yeah. Pontypool, man. <laughs> where, where in Pontypool were you born then? Where did you live? In the hospital, in, the, in Griffithstown, in the hospital. And were you, did you live in Griffithstown as well, or were you... No, no, I lived in pont So, oh, you um, lived in pont So you were raised yeah. in pont right? Yes. Yeah, so, but for a little bit, then we moved further west. So, uh, so you know, it's um, well, it's Blackwood more or less. Yes. It's stuck to Blackwood. So, so you're more so, of a Blackwood boy, I'd say. Then you were born in Pontypool, but well, it's, it's like the Blackwood pont metropolis, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> right. Because because uh, the reason I, the reason I'm 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 inquiring so intensely is because I was raised in a place called Little Mill, which is just outside of Pontypool. Right. So I wondered if you okay. might have known of it because it's like a tiny little village. It doesn't have a shop or a post office on it. Has oh, a pub, <laughs> and that's it. No, I, I moved. We moved from there when I was about three. So we right. moved then to Carmarthen and then to near Swansea and then Pembrokeshire and then I moved to London. So yeah, but I am a, a, a Monmouthshire boy. So and and yeah, not a lot of people know that actually. It's because um, they think I'm, f- I'm from West Wales, from Crummit, but I'm not. I'm from um, you're Southie. I'm from, you're Southie. Yeah. yeah, yes, southeast. Yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. I'm quite Can proud you, of it, actually. Um, are you a Welsh speaker? I am, yes. It's my first language. Right. Yeah, so, yeah, so, well, I grew up speaking Welsh uh, at home, so. Right. It's obviously totally natural to me. So. Yeah, I was going to say, dude, you, you probably got the best name we've ever had at the podcast so far. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. oh, nice son of yeah. Winner. That's yeah. fucking yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, um, it's very, um, it, it's, it's kind of, Quite metal, really. Isn't yeah, it? man. Yeah, yeah. I quite like the name. So. Sounds like you're going on a fucking conquest, you know. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But Predator was a knight of the round table, so he was one of right. King Arthur's knights. You see? Ah, so it's, right. Um, yeah. Uh, so, um, uh, yeah, uh, and it, well, it's per, well, the uh, the English speakers uh, would know him as Percival, Sir Percival. So it's Peredir as Sir Percival or in German Parsival. So if you, anybody knows any Wagner operas, there's a, a famous opera from the ring cycle called Parsival. And, um, I think it's from the ring cycle anyway. Um, I did a music degree. I should know this. <laughs> Dude, this is already no, but, yeah. fucking really interesting. We, we've, we're already on Wagner and like fucking ancient etymology. I love it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oh my God. This is wicked. Well, I, th- I suppose we should start at the start because you've had like an insane career, I think. I mean, most people would yeah. think of you now, I suppose, as the guitar player in Pendulum. But I mean, you've yeah. got this whole other career before that, you know, with acts like, um, you know, Natalie Imbruglia and Anastasia and tons of others. So, I suppose should we um, like give people the backstory as to what you've done, how you got started, you know, and what led you to where you are now? Um, well, uh, growing up in Wales, you know, as you probably know, it's very musical. There's music everywhere, and you know, it's uh, <laughs> if you go to a pub, it's, it's usually four part harmonies. You know, <laughs> yes. after, after a couple of a couple of points, but um, yeah, so I left. Uh, so I moved further west, and I, and I said I ended up in Cremich in, in Pembrokeshire. And in Cremich, there's quite um, there was a rock school, 
Yeah, in the in the um, in the school there, in the well, is the, is in the f- further education wing in in our school, in our secondary school, and um, we just well, I, I was playing guitars anyway. We had we had guitars at home. My parents both played, so um, like acoustic guitars, folk stuff then, and I picked that up. Probably when I was about nine nine years old, right. and then about thirteen, there was this rock school, and uh, everybody who had interest in guitars or drums or bass, keyboards, or whatever, I was singing, uh, all went to this rock school, and I started playing in my, in my first band. So it's from then really, and uh, then I, I went on then and did music A level. Um, a friend of mine, uh, is a guitarist called Mavir Isaac Mavir, he's um, uh, he's playing Budgie. He's one of the guitarists in Budgie back in the day. Yeah, and yeah. He, he now composes music for TV and um, mainly in Wales. But and my verse said, my mother told me, oh, you could do this uh, professionally. And I was like, really? Because I hadn't really thought about it. And uh, I was 16 years old, no, not knowing what I should do. And for somebody to say that I could do this as a, as a profession was like a bit mind-blowing. Yeah, really. yeah. So, and it is him, um, Mavir, and then my guitar teacher in school, um, called, um, John Rodge. Um, he's an, he's amazing. He's an amazing folk guitar player. He's a jazz player. Ridiculous country chicken picking stuff. Oh, well. nice. He's so good. So good. And he also told me that I could do it. And, and he said then maybe I should, um, think of doing music A level. So that's what I did. <laughs> so I did music A level and then um, applied for some universities and I ended up in London in Goldsmiths College in the University of London. So, and uh, the reason I chose that was they have a music studio and, um, and an electronic music element to the course as well as in right. not electronic as, as we know it as yeah. um, dance music, but electronic as in Stockhausen and all, oh, all the right. cl- classical yes. um, right. electronics, um, experimental stuff. Yeah. So it, it was all that really. So um, uh, th- yeah, I went to London and <laughs> stayed here. <laughs> so You've been there ever since? I, I, well, yeah, I've, I've been, in, uh, I've lived in other places on and off. I went to Paris for a bit. I was working with a French artist um, lived in Sydney for a little bit and LA as well for a little bit, you know, but I always nice. come back to London. So nice. it, it, usually w- w- when I come off tour, well, when I used to come off tour, I used to, and there was a gap then I used to go away and live somewhere else for a bit until nice, the nice. next door happened. So nice. I'd, uh, get a flat and, uh, just soak up the atmosphere somewhere else. And, oh, nice. And I'll then do a, some work with various artists over there or songwriters and that's fucking awesome. Yeah, so, that's fucking awesome. Yes. Yeah, so um and after I uh finished uni, um yeah, I just started doing sessions then. And then my first main big session uh, would have been Natalie in Brulia. So um yeah. And- so how does something like that come about? I mean, so you're you're like a student on a on a course with I'm with I'm guessing tons of other musicians who are all awesome. So how does how do, where, how does that penny drop there? Um, I was, um, I got into a band with a drummer called Chuck Sabo. Chuck, um, he's, he's a session guy, American drummer. He's lived in London for years, uh, and he's um, a session guy. He worked with um, Elton John, uh, did Take That. Um, God, what else did he do? Um, got a, just a load of big names, right. and um, and he had his own band, with him and his wife, so... I, I I met somebody who knew him, and they, they Chuck was looking for a guitarist. So 
I joined his band. And then um, Chuck got asked to put together a band for Natalie. Wow. And nice. so he just got, he said, he said, do you fancy playing for Natalie? He went, yeah, right. Then. So what age <laughs> that was that point? Uh, early twenties. Right. So it's fresh out of college. Yeah. 20, no, no, a few years after college. Um, right. Yeah. So just after, after college. Yeah. A few years after that. Uh, sorry. And, um, it's, uh, so he, so we got together. It was a bunch of us as myself. My brother was on base. My brother right. moved to London by that time. And he, he went to uni in, in Aber, but he, he moved in with me in, in, uh, in Camden. And, um, so it was myself, my brother, and uh, a guy called Chester came on on the other guitar. The so Chester played with Brian Ferry. Um, wow! And he was he was also the guitarist on um, "Like a Prayer" by really? Madonna. So yeah, so Chester is is a top session player. You know, he he plays with David Gilmour now. Jesus! Uh, and uh, and has played with Roger Waters as well. Fucking so hell! He's done both <laughs> uh, Pink Floydy solo solo Amazing. projects. So yeah, so that was back in '97. So uh, yeah, so I, I joined. I got an advanced copy of Torn. So um, if, if if all the young kids out there don't know what Torn is, Torn was her Natalie's first hit, and it was massive, massive, massive banger, wasn't it? Yeah, huge, worldwide, yeah, huge. So <laughs> I got a copy of the of the of the CD, the advanced copy, and I listened to it and I went, "Yeah, mate, might get three months work out of this." <laughs> Eventually, I had nine years at work out of work in total. So yeah, nine so, years. Yeah, we were. Yeah, so yeah, so it, that yeah, that first couple of years just well, it was all quite bonkers, you know, because um, getting treated right, like royalty all over the world, you know, and it it got it was it never got to number one in the UK. It was number right. two for weeks because the number one at the time was Aqua um, Barbie. Oh Cop. right. So, <laughs> right. Ain't no touching Barbie girl, yeah, man. Yeah, so uh, so torn is is one of those singles who never never ever got to number one in the UK. Wow. But then uh, it, it it got number one various places in in Europe. Got massive in Europe. So you know, the first thing we did, we went out to Italy, went out to Netherlands, went out to Belgium. <laughs> we just just did this massive promo tour, both playing a lot lot of it playing live and do a lot of acoustic stuff. And yeah, she she was the biggest thing on the planet at that time, you know. She and, was, uh, yeah. And then it got released in America, <laughs> and it just got huge. It was number one in the, in the Billboard charts uh, for ten weeks. So it's ten weeks number one in the Billboard charts. Um, as one of the highest played rotated songs on radio that year. Oh my god! Or the, or the most uh, uh, heavily rotated song, or whatever. And you know, and we first went out to the states then in. Um, March '98, I think it was. Right, and uh, and the first thing that we did was David Letterman show. <laughs> <laughs> so we like, I was like, "Yeah, I'm a boy from South Wales going I was, I'm in the deep end." David Letterman's going, "Oh my god, what am I doing?" And, then, <laughs> and, then, and two days after that, we did Saturday Night Live. Oh my so, god. Yeah. So uh, I've I've, ju- I've just recently found the episode of Saturday Night Live that that we did. It was the one that Scott Wolf uh, presented. He was uh, an actor from uh, I think the show was called Party of Five. You know, so he was a presenter, the guest. Oh presenter. my god, man! And and the last, yeah, um, the very end where 
um, he says his goodbyes and everybody's on stage together. <laughs> and I'm there. He's there bang in the middle and Natalie's just to the side of him and I'm in between the two of them. So I'm, I'm, I'm like going, hello, I'm on telly. <laughs> I'm on telly. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> and then it pans out. And then I, uh, then I start dancing with this, um, with a comedian called, um, oh, what's, what's his name? Um, uh, Tracy Morgan, he's one of my favorite American comedians, and, and I, I'm dancing with him. With the, and then, then, I come, and then the thing pans out, and Will Ferrell walks towards me, and I start dancing You're fucking with him joking me. And oh like, my God. This, this is before he was famous, and I'm, 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 I obviously, I'm just dancing with some tall bloke. You know, bloke and, yeah. then, and then I saw it a few years later, I went, Oh my God. <laughs> and then, and I've just recently found it again online. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, oh man, nice that was, that. Dude, yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, you're, you're like, you're in your twenties, you're a few years out of a university and you're mm. fucking on the David Letterman show. You know oh, what I mean? That's insane. Yeah. It's nuts. It was, um, yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of fun. It's, uh, and then yeah, that carried on basically. We did then Jay Leno a few times and, you know, we did Letterman a couple of times, Jay Leno three or four times. It was, uh, yeah. And it just kept on happening then for nine years. It was just, I had no idea. Cause I mean, she had that torn with, yeah, for people who weren't, you can't remember. Yeah. It, that was a fucking iconic massive yeah. massive song wasn't it Huge. but I, I mean it wasn't really my kind of thing for me I was like into Frank Zappa at that time mm. I was actually in college oh, me too. I, was, I, was, I was listening to Gregory Peckery as well <laughs> right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, personal stereo Any, anything that was on like on the radio was like oh that's pop I was probably playing touring covers bands around the same yeah, time right, to make yeah. college money um, but I didn't really keep I didn't really, I wasn't really familiar with anything that she did after that so so yeah. that, that that gig kept you going for nine years yeah yeah so she did another album after that called uh, Lily's Island, and then after that, it was counting down to the days, and right. that, that album went to number one, the third album, right in the UK. So, yeah, and yeah, and I was with her until two thousand and six. We're still mates. We're still we're still in in touch with each other. We still talk. Chat That's about amazing, so, yeah. man. Jesus, well, what a, what an introduction to the music industry. Because I'm guessing you were right in at yeah. the pro end, you know, the private planes, the fucking arenas, or it wasn't or bigger, any pro- you know, it wasn't any. Oh, there was a private. Small propeller plane. There was never a private jet, but there was one small. But it's usually just normal. You know, we, we never got a, the private jet treatment. Uh, but you know, okay, yeah. But it, it, it was always jumbos, <laughs> right? <laughs> Apart from one journey that we did from Biggin Hill Airport to New Quay down, down in Cornwall for a, right. a Radio One Roadshow thing back. Then. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only private thing that we ever had. <laughs> right. Ah, oh, damn it. Yeah. Well, I'm sure... I'm sure there's been opportunities since then with everything that's happened since because you've also gone on like I mean that's already a fucking hell of a story but that's that's not where it ends because you you bounced then from there to doing working with with or, or were you doing the other stuff as well as that or did it come separately? Uh, during Natalie, I was uh, I did a year with Sophie Ellis Baxter when Natalie after right. Natalie's first album, um, and then I did I did a year with Kim Wilde as well so. Right. Kim Wilde overlapped Natalie for a little bit, and and then well, back in two thousand and four, I'd um, I, I've been working with. There's a producer called DJ Fresh. There's an artist called DJ Fresh, and um, you know, he's done all t- types of things. He, he he used to be in a, a drum and bass band called Dig- Digital Nation, and I used right. to do a load of stuff with him, um, and then. 
and he had a label called Breakbeat Chaos, and he brought this um, these producers over from Australia called Pendulum, and they wanted some guitar on the first album. And right. <laughs> so Fresh went, oh, um, it's my mate Perry. He can play guitar. So I, I just went up to the uh, to their flat in uh, in Barnet in North London and just put some guitar down on the first album. Right, and uh, and then I'd forgotten about it. And then two years later, I was actually in Paris. I was, I was working with a French artist called Melaine Farmer. She's like over that. She's kind of like Madonna in France, the French version okay. of Madonna. You know, so the, ba- the band was nuts. You know, we had Abel, Bo- Abel Boreal Jr. on drums. You know, Paul McCartney's drummer and right. um, uh, Shakira's bass player and, um, and Milton McDonald from Take That on on the other guitar. My it was, God. It was like it was right, the pr- proper big fuck off arena tour thing. So, right. And then uh, during that tour, um, I was just chatting to a mate of mine who also knew fresh and he was telling me about uh, pendulum. And I, and I said, uh, Oh yeah, you know, they're really big. And I was like, what? Oh yeah. They sold 400,000 copies of the album. I was like, what? <laughs> because it was totally underground. He was drum and bass. You know? right. So, and then, um, I got, they got in touch again and they wanted, wanted to do it live and uh, did a gig in fabric, um, which was the first live gig that we did. I was in 2000, uh, uh, October, 2006. And then uh, the next year I got asked to, um, uh, join full time. So yeah, I've been with amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so, so that, dude that's the well i mean like we could, there's so much in there we could unpack but we don't have you know i, I can't keep you all day so we, we, we're gonna have to do the kind of you know the the hollywood uh, edited version you know but i mean and they, that that sounds like such a fucking a constant streak i mean we're, we're we're there i mean you know make make the rest of us poor bastards feel better were there low points when it all went to shit or has it been just a crazy streak is that you know that i mean that sounds um, like it. like it's I've, I've been really lucky i've been it's been kind of constant um line of gigs really because uh, with pendulum we, we went on hiatus in 20, 20, 2012 we went on four-year hiatus and then during that that point i started work i did a couple of years with anastasia and then after anastasia I did a couple with uh i went on the road with faithless for two years so nice. uh, and then and then we um 2016 uh pendulum got back together again after the hiatus right. started gigging again and started releasing new stuff. And what is the, uh, before we come on to Pendulum then, because you're, you're actually in the band with Pendulum, aren't yeah. you? You're not like a session yeah. guy or something no, like yeah. that. So what was the, what is the difference then? Cause I've heard, I've got a few friends who are session players who played, you know, big, I won't mention any names, you know, but I mean, big yeah. stadium tours and stuff like that, who've given me, you know, a lot of horror stories and bad news about treatment and, and disposability feelings and things like that. What was your, I mean, I know, I know the industry and the climate is very different now to what it was back in the nineties and early noughties, but what is your, what was the, what was the, the life like as, as a session musician on these tours? Um, obviously you're not the boss, you're a high, you're a hired hand, but I've been really lucky with the people that I've been working with over the years. They've been bloody lovely, you know, um, I've heard horror, horror stories as well. And, you know, certain people I wouldn't want to go on stage with, or wouldn't definitely want to be on a tour bus with them, but I've been so lucky. Everybody that I've been, that I've worked with has has been great, you know, and really nice people, you know, it's like one of my philosophies in in life, especially to do with work 
don't be an arsehole. If you're an arsehole, you know, people right. won't, people won't hire you. And, uh, but I've been really lucky that I've been working with the people I, I was a session guitarist for. Um, they've been, they've all been great. And, you know, right. and they become good mates. And we had a lot of fun, you know, so, and that's what it's all about at the end of the day. You know, if you, yeah. you can't enjoy what you're doing. It's the point of doing it. Yeah. And if you're on tour with an absolute nightmare of an artist or whoever, or somebody in the band that you don't, don't get on with, you know, then, then, then I know it gets difficult because that's happened to some friends of mine, but I've been so lucky that that's never happened to me. I don't know why that is. Well, I've, Oh, yeah, I think you have to be really unlucky to work with an arsehole because in the music industry, because the way it's set up, if you, as I said earlier, if you are an arsehole, then people won't hire you. Hire you. Right. And, um, and the same goes with artists. If you're an arsehole, and if you're an arsehole to people who work with you, the record company or management or radio people, or TV people, or whatever, then they won't, they won't work for you. So you have to be nice. You know? If you're not, right. if you're not nice, you know, people won't, wouldn't want to work for you. So it, you have to be very, very, very unlucky to work with a nightmarish person, I think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Like to see how that would, it would fall down that way as well, you know? Um, and, and you would know because you've been in that world for a long time now. Well, of course, because when you're a touring musician, especially you're, with the tour, it's a, everybody calls it a touring family, you know, with right. band, crew, whatever. You're on the tour bus together or you're flying together and it, that could be for 18 months or even right. more, you know, and you have to get along and people hire you so that, uh, hire people who they know that can get along with other people, you know. It's, right. it's, yeah. it's just, it's just, you know, I've, I've been really lucky that way, but it's, yeah, it's, it's the best way to do it, really. Well, you've mentioned being lucky a few times, and you know, clearly, you've had you know some awesome opportunities and stuff. But at the same time, you know, taking into account everything else that you've described, you know, like you're easy to get along with, you're a fucking kick ass on the guitar, you know, you're professional. I mean, that's the thing that people get twisted, I think, well, on the subject of luck, because yeah, of, of course, there's lots of good musicians out there who are hardworking and very yeah. nice, and they just yeah. can't catch a break. We've all got friends like yeah. that, so of course, you do need. To to have the element of luck um but that's not where the story ends you know you you it's what you bring to the table from that point onwards then which determines whether you're able to stay afloat for longer than two weeks yeah luck is a big element of it but you have to be in the right place at the right time and i think if i would have stayed in wales back in pembrokeshire i don't i don't think i would have had these opportunities 100 i've had these opportunities because i've lived in london and for example, Chuck, uh, uh, Chuck Sabo, uh, with an early thing, said, oh, do you want to come over and jam? Uh, uh, yeah, that was 45 minutes on a tube for me. You know? Right, right. And I, if I lived five hours away in Wales, that would never have happened. Can't so do it. Can't it, do it. And, um, and everybody who I speak to, uh, young musicians who I speak to, who want to do what I did, I always tell them, you have to, well, it's a cliche, but you have to be in it to win it. If you're not in one of the main musical centers, right. it's not, it's probably not going to happen to you. Um, you have to be there. Yeah. You know, it's like, right. it's, it's like with it, with any job, really. It's like if you want to work in, if you say if you want to work in, in the financial district in any city, you know, it's pointless if you live up in the countryside, never 400 miles away. 
Yeah, it, it's just not going to happen. It's the same thing with any job, really. But um, yeah, it's so I, I t- tell all the young musicians who want some advice: move somewhere. Yeah, it could be, but um, even Cardiff, Cardiff, but but good for. Yeah. For yeah, the, or Bristol, Bristol yeah. or Liverpool now, you know, anywhere where there's something happening, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, Ma- Manchester, you know, because there's all, always ch- chances for uh, a session in the, in a big city, you know. Right. So it's, um, and obviously London is one of the main centres yeah. on the planet, not just right. in the UK. So you've got more of a chance in London than you would do in the, any of the other cities in the UK. But yes. it's, um, and that's what I decided to do because I knew that's where the industry was. And that's where nearly right. all the record companies are. That's where all, most of the acts are based is it in London. So that's why I moved here. That, but it makes a lot of sense. And that's great advice there yeah, to it, like musicians listening, because we do have a lot of like music industry specials on this, giving advice right. to, you know, yeah. musicians and stuff. Listen. So I think we, you were the first session. Uh, I know you're not exclusively a session musician, but you're the first session musician that we've had on. So it's, it's great to have that insight as well from that side of the industry, you know, yeah. and everything you say makes a lot of sense. I, I mean, it's um, for me, I wanted to work in music. Right. Uh, be it in a band or be it a session, whatever. And I, I just fell into the session thing. Um, it's, it's nothing that I, well, I, I kind of studied kind of to do that. I did a bit of jazz guitar so I could read, right. s- read some music. Uh, you know, well, I've got a degree. I shouldn't be able to read bloody music, <laughs> you know, but, um, so I, I, I was kind of veering towards that way, but I, it was just total luck that, that I got that first gig, you know, so amazing. Amazing. Well, what a story, man. What a story. I mean, and it sounds <laughs> as if you've been working and gigging pretty much relentlessly since that time. Until, if my research serves me correctly, until 2018. Was that the last tour you did with Pendulum prior to the lockdown? Yeah, my last gig pre-lockdown was New Year's Eve, Perth 2018. Perth, right. Australia. Because um, we, we play a lot in Oz, obviously, because yeah. a couple of the guys are... Australians, yeah, and they're from uh, Perth originally. So, yeah, that was the last one gig pre-lockdown. But that's what I do when I'm not on tour. Is um, I do music for TV. Ah, right. I, I produce. I produce music for television. Right. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's something I've always done since the nineties. Really. Wow. Um, so it's you know, if you're. Yeah, I, I'd rather not be twiddling my thumbs or practicing my gar- guitar, really. This is the most boring thing in the world. That's really interesting <laughs> because I'm always fascinated by what musicians do because diversification is something that comes up all the time, especially these days. You've got to be versatile yeah. and have a few strings to your bow. So I always wonder what people do, you know, when they're not touring. Um, so yeah. I had no idea that you had that element as well. That's, that's fascinating, man. Yeah, I've, I've always uh, produced music. So I'm sat here where you can't see it at the minute, but behind that is my studio. Right. <laughs> and, uh, in my studio set up. And, um, yeah, I, I've always done that really. Uh, I started working on TV in the nineties for S4C, for S4C, the Welsh yeah. language channel and, um, started doing music for them. And I've, you know, I do stuff for. BBC, ITV, uh, well, stuff worldwide, really. Right. And they do adverts, music for adverts as well. That's so. amazing. A lot of sync stuff then. So do you do, um, yeah. is it like library stuff? Do you prepare a bunch of stuff in advance or do you do stuff to brief? I've done uh, both. Right. Uh, I've done library music. Um, 
I've done, uh, that's what I've done a lot is, um, you know, those singing competitions you have on TV, yeah. you know, the backing tracks that, that uh, right. you hear, okay. um, whether they're all bespoke, because yeah. obviously, um, uh, they have to be in a different key or done different right. arrangement. And, um, I've, I've done those for different, um, programs since, um, Fame Academy. When right. Fame Academy started, that's the first time I did that. So, um, yeah, me and a friend of mine, Kenny, Kenny Dickinson, he's a keyboard player. Uh, Kenny played for Natalie as well and Katie Tunstall and, and people. And so and we, we have this production thing to, together that we, um, do these, um, backing tracks for singing competitions for TV shows all over the world. That's fucking amazing, <laughs> man. Dude, you were crushing it, man. I had no idea. Yeah. So in the lockdown then, like when you weren't gigging, because I, I was going to ask you, what the fuck did you do? Did you go out of your mind, yeah. you know, in the lockdown? But it, it sounds as if you, you know, you kept yourself pretty busy. Well, no, because obviously the uh, television shut down as well, didn't oh, of it? Course. <laughs> right, right, right. So, yeah, and we were in the middle of one um, as lockdown started and then it kind of ground to a halt, really. So um, right. the problem with, uh, with, with shows like that, any type of show really, was uh, the costs doubled um just to keep everybody safe so you know for but if, if you if you've got a brand new singing competition coming out on, on tv uh they 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 would they actually pulled it the one that i was about to do on my tv they pulled it just before it started because they have they'd have to get all the crew and all and everybody involved in the show to stay in one hotel totally isolated from the outside world right yeah two months right and um so basically that that and um all the testing and all the precautions they had to, had to do you know basically doubled you know, if um, a, a tv production costs 2 million quid normally with covid uh, precautions involved and the way you have to deal with that it was 4 million quid so right and um it's a bunch of shows or well, this one show in particular itv went you know what now sod it we pull it um and they Oh shit! So, yeah, and uh, but if it's a show like Strictly, say you know the guys in Strictly, you know, they, they, that's an ongoing thing, and it's, it was worth for them to do that BBC for them to do that, so they they carried right. on, you know, um, and that extra cost, you know, it, right. it was worth it because it's still going on now, nowadays. But for, for a brand new show like the one that I can't even remember what it was called, to tell you the truth, that's show busy. Eh? <laughs> Single uh, bastard. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, so, yeah, COVID costs, put, put the kibosh on that. But I started doing right. uh, sessions again, so I was just doing recording sessions, guitars, and started produ- producing other artists as well. So Wicked. So you kept yourself pretty sane then off the stage. Yeah. That's wicked, man. Yeah. Because I was going to ask, what was it like, I mean, I my my last tour was also in, in 2018 and then in 2019 I kind of hunkered down I wrote my book and um, you know made my, yeah. my, my, my my new album that was coming out and everything like that so I did a lot of like production stuff and getting getting shit ready um, for, for, yeah. for 2020 which was going to be the big one you know and then it just <laughs> fucking killed all of that so for me I haven't uh, because of uh, because of the two years of the lockdown and then uh, my father passed away last year he was ill yeah terminal cancer for, for most of last year um, so so yeah. I, had, I had a European tour with the band, a uh, UK tour. That was like the first com- coming out of lockdown, coming out of the gate swinging, you know, and then we had to cancel all of that. So for me, it's been three years now. And I th- uh, if I'm yeah. right, was it the same for you as well with, with Pendulum? We did our first gigs, uh, not as a full band. I might say it was 
2021. Okay. We did a bunch of high, hybrid DJ live uh, things. So because because um, we still couldn't get uh, KJ, our drummer, couldn't come over from the state. He lives in, in, in Las Vegas. So he, KJ Sorka, yeah. Yeah, so he couldn't come over from um, uh, the States because of restrictions. And so it was myself, Rob, and Gareth, uh, they were on decks and I was on live guitar. Rob was doing live vocals. It was just the three of us went out right. and uh, did like six mini festivals right. um, over that summer. Um, and then last year, 2022, we did a bunch of sporadic uh, festivals um, across the world. First one was in Miami in March. And then... Um, just a bunch of European festivals then. And what was that like coming back then? Because you know, I still haven't done it yet. Like, <laughs> we're gearing up to play right, yeah. this year. It's weird. Right, I bet. It's really weird. Because going on stage for the first time uh, after that, like, you, you kind of walk on stage and go, right then, what do I do now? Like, so, uh, <laughs> do I stand, do I move over there? Or, or do I move back a bit? Spread or legs go, or what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do I bang my head right now or what? I don't know. Is it, yeah. Is it, is it, you know, because it, it's being on stage and after you know basically living on stage for years right yeah being back on stage then is just like oh my god it, it is really really weird did it's, you miss um, it then like emotionally was it kind of like did you have that surge of oh this is yes i missed this or was it kind of like oh this is weird no it was just weird for the right. first few shows and then because it is it is you know it's a weird thing to do anyway yes right. but, but, but you get used to it right but then for me it was just going and doing this weird thing and i'm not used to it anymore right. it's just like god this is really fucking weird man. <laughs> it's just like what the fuck is this and uh and, and, and it took me a, f- a few gigs of, um to get into it again just to just to be feel at home on stage you know right. it's very strange but you're back now you're settled in you, you know you're back to the old uh, natural habitat Yes, yes, it's been great. So yeah, the festivals we did over the summer was fanta- were fantastic, you know. Wicked. And um, our, uh, we've got more gigs coming up this year. You know, the first one we well decided to do Brixton Academy, and uh, uh, that went on sale sometime in November, I think. And uh, tickets sold out in fifteen minutes. Wow! And uh, uh, then uh, the so we put another one on. Uh, second Brixton on and that kind of sold out in tw- I was a, bit, a little bit slower because the Queen died so that sold out in 24 oh, right. hours a bit of competition right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah so so we've got two gigs in Brixton which is amazing uh, yeah we, we we love Brixton it's, well, oh, it's yeah. one of my favourite places to play in the world so yeah, it's got two shows in Brixton in March and, so, nice. and then nice. festivals and tours and stuff after that as well so yes summer summer season man yeah perfect yeah. how is um because we both spoke at the uh house of lords select committee hearing didn't we about yeah. the uh, the effects of brexit on touring um yeah. uk artists touring in, in europe post brexit has that affected you guys or your crew in any way um not no because we didn't do in, um that many shows last year if we did then it would have um, right. uh, if, um because another thing that I do as well, apart from music, is I work as a cycling commentator right. on the, on the Tour de France. So, wow! Yeah, so I was out in the EU for the first weekend of the Tour de France and for the final week. So that added to my um, my 
Oh, well, added to my dates. So, but if we were touring a little bit more, then it would have affected me. But luckily, it didn't. But I, I know loads of people that it has affected. Same. And they yeah. lost their jobs because of it. Yeah. Yeah. But um, and you know, it's yeah. I, I was lucky last year, basically, right? Uh, with that, but uh, you know, the fact that UK's musicians are now losing jobs to musicians with the EU passports and EU citizens because it's you know, it's easier for them to tour the eu uh, giving an example pre-brexit um 80 of my income was from gigging in the eu right so that's when touring was normal uh, and touring is coming back into normal n- uh, normality now so yeah so it was 80 percent of it that's how big right a, a chunk of my uh, income came from working in the eu and um yeah, so yeah, it's a bit scary when you think about it, really. Well, it's yeah, like, oh, I mean, it's, it's similar to what you mentioned earlier about um, when you were talking about, yes, you have to have the ability, you have to have the talent, but you also have to be, people have to be able to work with you. And I think when, when productions on the mainland or they're touring through the mainland are considering crews, they're going to consider, yeah. well, you know, can this lighting crew or this sound tech or roadie or whatever it is, you know, can they do the whole talk or can they only do 90 days and then they've got to go back again? That that's going to yeah. be a consideration people are going to make, which is which is outside of their ability, your talent yeah. as, as as crew members. It's just it it's it's just fucking terminal for many people's careers, you know. Absolutely, yeah. It, it's easier for me because I'm a part of a band. If I was just doing sessions, if I was uh, imagine if the pendulum hiatus was now, um, then I would be in trouble because you know because we were touring Europe a lot right. and and you know those artists well uh, one of the bands i was working one of the artists i was working with was with anastasia and steve barney Barney, a good mate of mine right so steve uh lost his job um uh have you spoken about this before on this pod Uh, not in a while not in a while well not steve specifically because you used his as a case study didn't you in in, in your tour brilliant if if people don't know then uh steve uh has played with anastasia since 2009 it's been his main gig uh uh, for that long and um he obviously like every other musician he lost his all where well, everybody lost their gigs uh, over covid and then beginning of last year he got offered a gig with uh, an italian artist called gianna nanini this huge italian artist um in march and then he went yep i'll have that so he went on tour and then um halfway through that tour he got a call from um Anastasia's management saying uh, asking about his availability for uh, uh, an upcoming tour in September it was a European tour going through September October and November I think so um, he and then they found out about this whole 90 days in 180th so um, as uh, a UK passport holder you can only be in the EU or in Schengen area, sorry, yeah. uh, certain certain countries within the EU for um, 90 days within every 180 days. So from this date, you count back 180 and you're only allowed to be in the, in the Schengen area for 90 days. Right. And um, he found out that you only had 12 days left uh, by the time Anastasia's tour would, would have started. And uh, so... They tried all sorts of things. The government say, oh, yeah, you can get uh, visas. You can have working visas. You can't. 
it's an, it's impossible. You can't get working visas. You know, so what the government's saying is a lie. Right. Um, you can get some working visas, but nothing that covers the whole of Schengen. So it's the whole of Schengen. Basically, if you're touring the UK, uh, touring the EU, you're touring Schengen mainly. Yeah. So, um, uh, and he found out that he couldn't do it. And then there's nothing that um, Anastasia's manager could do was they had to find another drummer. Yeah. So uh, they got another drummer in and um, it's, um, they got a drummer, great drummer from uh, from Finland. So she's got a um, an EU yeah. passport. So it there's um, no hassle then touring with her anymore. Yeah. So it's, uh, so Steve's basically lost his job and it was, there was a UK tour, two week UK tour, two and a half weeks, sorry, UK tour involved within that European tour and he lost that as well. So yeah. a, a British musician has lost a, a British job yeah. just because of Brexit. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an awful story. And Steve, you know, he went big with it, didn't he? You know, he posted about yeah. it on social media and he went viral yeah. and really helped to kind of highlight this issue. Um, yeah. But he's still a victim of it, as are so many other people, you know, and yeah. people who aren't, I suppose, on that side, they're not under the, the spotlight, li- literally yeah. speaking. You know, it's the backstage crews and the drivers and, you know, sound it, techs, you know. Yeah. I think it's worse for the crew, even because um, the crew, uh, more than musician, more than a session musician, they will jump off one tour yes. and join another one. Yeah. And because that's what the, those guys do. Um, because, uh, with stuff like that, if you're, you know, if you're a rigger or something, or if you're a, um, catering, a caterer, or, um, there's no rehearsals involved, you, you just go bang and you start the next gig. Yeah. Start the next gig. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if you're a musician, then you have to go into, if you go working with another artist, then you have to go into rehearsals, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But if you're a, uh, crew guy or girl, um, then you're more likely to jump from off from one tour to the, to the other, and that's how people make their livings. But now yeah. British crew and, and musicians um, can't do that anymore because of this stupid rule and and the Tories. <laughs> it's an absolute fucking travesty. You know, I hate man. the Tories. You don't. I don't really? Does, does, does that come across? <laughs> I, I don't. I never got that vibe about you, dude. To be honest, like, it's, well, it's, it's not actually no. No, that's wrong. I don't hate all Tories. No, I've I've actually got some Tory friends who. Ouch. Are, they're actually yeah yeah, but they're actually all right. But they right. they but they, but they're so disgusted with the Tories, they don't they don't uh, vote Tory anymore. They're like closet so, Tories, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah. But yeah, they're disgusted by them as well, you know. But um, well, yeah, we can talk about like, the Tories if you it's want. Just Brexit you know? Brexiters that I hate. <laughs> Brexiters, yeah, and there's still a few people who are who are kind of you know desperately clinging on to the idea that it was a good idea, despite all of the evidence that it was an absolute fucking dis- disgrace. Dumb shambles, assholes. They're dumb assholes. You know, this country, <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally gone to the dogs. It has. It's, it's, it's terrible. Um, you know the whole. God, what is it? I saw the exports are done. Was it forty-seven percent or something? And right. they, they will never get that back because the, uh, people in the U they're buying from somewhere else now. Yep. Yep. Their, their products they were buying from the UK. You know, it costs so much money to export and import uh, to the EU now. On the flip like, side, we've got our freedom back. You know what I mean? We're free <laughs> from the clutches of those EU bureaucrats that were holding us down, man. You know what? It's, it, it, it's not. It's not just the far right. It's the far left as well. It's, it's like I saw a great yeah. quote the other day. It was like uh, the um, the far right wanted to leave the EU because 
they thought the EU uh, was was like Soviet Union, <laughs> and and the far left wanted to leave the EU because it the EU wasn't enough like the Soviet <laughs> Union, and it's just like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's it just, it, yeah, yeah. It's, and, and, and the thing just recently, you know, with the whole uh, train strike, I, I support the train strikes one hundred percent, and. And it's right what they do, but the whole Mick Lynch thing being a, a Brexiter, I'm like going, mate, did he, I, I him on, uh, he got his arse and it on a plate to really? on the James O'Brien show the other oh, day. Oh, I yeah, haven't heard that yet, no. You know, because uh, the, the TUC came up with the fact that, um, due to Brexit, um, all workers' rights are being eroded away now. And I said, only due to Brexit. And Mick Lynch, ardent Brexiter, you know, it's, Partly his fault, yeah. He, he told his um, union, told the RMT, told all their members to to vote leave. And and, and it's, it's I look at him and I see Nigel Farage. Well, self interest. You no, know, he, he was thinking about the interest of his one community of people, yeah. you know, and their, yeah. and their employment prospects. But I mean, uh, uh, that's uh, the uh, fucking point. You know what I mean? Well, with, with Nick Lynch, he's like he wants uh, the. He thought that we could leave the EU, so it'd be easier for us to uh, nationalise the rail in uh, the, the rail companies. Yeah, every single c- country in the EU has a, a nationalised rail yeah. uh, company. <laughs> yeah. Every single one. Yeah. Yeah, and we used to have a nationalised rail industry. Once we were, yeah, when yeah, we used yeah. to be in the EU. It wasn't. It wasn't the EU that made it privatised. It was like, the fucking Tories. Yeah. So, so the far left and far, far right for me are just as bad as each other. You yeah. Know? And, yeah. And 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 I, th- I think that was something like Mick Lynch is worse than, um, uh, um, Farage because he's all for the workers, right. and he made his workers. Uh, poorer. Right, right, right. You know, it's just like, it's just, it's, you know, it's, the guy's such a hypocrite. But I, but I do 100% um, support the strikes. We all do, man. You know, and, you know, I agree with a lot of what Mick Lynch says. I think he's right on the way he kicks their fucking ass, you know, <laughs> in the media yeah, and stuff like that. But- the problem is, for me, is that the Tories have just fucked everything they they brought us to this situation because just look at the state of our society has it ever been this fucking bad man i mean you know everybody's on strike major infrastructural um, backbones of the whole country are yeah. all on strike you know they're, they're shipping people to fucking rwanda you know it's the yeah. brexit you know the state of the economy the cost of living crisis the energy crisis i mean it's there's nothing that they haven't fucked up yet we continue to elect them i just can't make any sense of yeah. it yeah well, it, well, it, the UK isn't a left-wing country. Well, sorry, no, no. England isn't a left-wing country. Right. Wales is a left-wing country. Yes. Scotland is a left-wing country. Yeah. England isn't. And England is a way bigger than Wales and Scotland. Right. So um, it's, and it's always been um, a right-wing country, you know. And there's, there's the furthest left I think this uh, country's ever voted was Harold Wilson. I think, I think uh, from, from the top, off the top of my head, you know. But mainly, they you know they vote, vote for the right wingers. Yeah, that's what England does. It's always done it. You know, you know, back two hundred years ago, there wasn't there wasn't such a thing as the left wing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, it was you know the Whigs and the Conservatives. It's a very and strange then, and the thing. Liberals. Well, it's it's that that's England for you. You know, it's 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's almost like we've got this kind of addiction to uh, you know self abuse or something like that because we well, can yeah, clearly see that these none of these decisions actually make our life any better. In fact, they make them yeah. worse. And they were like, yeah, yeah we'll go, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll do that. Yeah, cool. You know, we won't complain yeah. as long as the pubs stay open. You know, we're yeah. okay. Well, you yeah, know? yeah. No, it's the funny thing about um, uh, somebody complaining about the strikes last week, and um, and uh, she was saying, said. I've got a low paid job and you don't see me going on strike. It's like, <laughs> oh, come on. Well, don't be subservient. Bloody hell. Come on. Use your brain. It's like, God. It's like, but yeah, England isn't a left wing country and, you know, people can mo- moan right. about it as much as they want. Right. But it's still going to be the That's same. The it's it not is. a left wing. Yeah. yeah, it's not a left wing country. But Wales is. Yeah. If Wales went independent, they'd have the, you know, they would have had a Labour Party. Um, leadership you know, for the last yeah. hundred years. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Since the Labour started back in the twenties or whatever, and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah, but it's England, so, and England have got this. You know, it's, it's monopoly. Not, yeah, uh, well, it's not a nation of equals, really, is it? No, isn't it? So, so are you, uh, do I do I take from that then that you are pro Welsh independence? Fucking hell, yeah. <laughs> even though, even though I've lived in London all my adult life, I'm still. There's nothing uh, wrong with England. You know, it's a fucking great place. No, no, go. I love England. I'm married yeah. to an English person, and right. uh, I, I love li- living in England. England is a really nice place to live in. It, London is anyway. I've never lived outside of London, but um, yeah, and I've got a lot of uh, most of my friends down here are English. Got nothing against England whatsoever. But, yeah, um, I do have um, an issue with how the. Uh, political system is set up, you know, right? Because you know, both, as you know, Wales is totally different to England. Scotland yeah. is totally different to England, you know, and it, yeah, it'd be, it'd be nice to have some sort of political, not uh, economic union, and uh, but not a political one, you know, you know, like the um, the economic union kind of that you've got with between the UK and and Ireland. That's great, you know. Yeah, we can work there. They can work here, you know. And we could rejoin uh, but, the EU, you know. And- yeah. But yeah, but exporting and importing from Ireland is a little bit more difficult now because of Brexit. Yeah, but, right. But yeah, no, yeah, but I'm all for uh, independence for Wales. And, love it, love I, it. I, I, I've got no say in Scotland, but um, yeah. I do hope they get it as well, you know, because um, because the way that our culture, the Welsh culture, has been eroded um, for centuries now uh, by the uh, English uh, Parliament, um, you know. It's uh, really bad, you know. One hundred percent. Well, anytime you can bring democracy and the machinery of democracy closer yeah. to the people um, making the votes, I think that's that's a good thing. It's the yeah. further away you you send, I know that was a left wing argument against you, the EU was because you know these are unelected EU bureaucrats. Yeah. But I mean, you but know, they are elected. That's that's the weird thing. But uh, they are elected. I, I I voted in in the European elections. You know, like a lot of other people did, but some people didn't, and they yeah. didn't realize they could do that. You know, cause, <laughs> <laughs> but you know it's um yeah but yeah it's i think like drake could same just for christmas about um you know how bad the nhs is in wales at the minute and he, he doesn't have enough money from uh westminster to um to well to invest in the nhs in wales and, and you and he go, yeah, come on, come on, yeah, uh, he's nearly there, he's nearly yeah. there. You know, it's like he, he, he's saying something, and what he's saying is 
There's an obvious right, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. answer to this. There's an obvious answer to it. So, uh, so how do you get more money from Westminster? Oh, or maybe just cut Westminster altogether, yeah. you know, <laughs> and, and you're in charge of your own taxation. But, um, but you know, if, if it's, it's highly possible that um, uh, Labour will get in, and they've uh, in, in the next election, and they've promised, you know, more devolution and all that right. but then you know that's only going to last for a certain amount of years and yeah and they are going to get voted out again because it's the labor party they always do something always messes up with them well and, um, if they can't win the next one dude with they might as well just fucking throw the towel in you know what i mean because i mean you, you it's, know, it, it can't get any worse if you can't win an election now yeah, against the tories yeah. it's fucking yeah. over it's over i mean i think that they're going to win the election in spite of Keir Starmer being leader, not because of him. Because 100%, yeah. His, oh God, his advisors, his speechwriters, they're, they're rubbish. They're so bad. He, his speech last, a couple of days ago, last week, um, he, uh, just, it's just so corny. He comes up with terrible one-liners, you know. He, he was there in his shirt and tie with his sleeves rolled up, you know. Oh yeah, in a factory. the classic. Yeah. Uh, and, and he comes up with, um, the Labour Party are going to roll up their sleeves and sort out the economy or something. I mean, come on. <laughs> Stop. Who, who writes that shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's terrible. But it's, it's I'm corny. laughing because it's laughable. You know, it's, 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 it's act for real. Like, that's just speech, you know. I mean, and and then his whole thing about the freedom of movement, he was was it on the Sophie Ridge programme or was it on Coonsberg? No, Sophie, Sophie Ridge, I think, uh, yesterday, on Saturday, Sunday, saying that um, he, uh, he uh, 2020 said... He, he wanted freedom of movement and basically now he says that he doesn't want freedom of movement right. and, you know three years later it's like come on mate absolutely and, and he's, useless every time he opens his opens his mouth on that subject he just makes a fool of himself yeah yeah and he's like he's trying to who's he, he trying to pander to the far right yeah you know it's because every he knows that what he's saying what's he what he's saying is bullshit utter bullshit yeah. he knows this yeah because he doesn't believe what he says yeah, it's you know, Brexit is a shit idea, right? And we've seen that, and we've seen how the economy's gone because of it. Brexit is a really shit idea. How many shit ideas have has anybody seen turn out good? Or yes, you know, you know, how bad is Brexit? Think of one re another really shit idea that's come good. I can't think of any. <laughs> and him trying saying that oh no, we're going to make Brexit work. So you can't make. It's shit. Yeah. <laughs> you can't polish a turd. You literally, look, it, 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 polishing a turd is, you know, that's a, that's a cliched thing, you know, it's a, it's a cliched saying, but seriously, get a turd in your hand and try to polish it. You can't. You can't do it. Just smearing it's, the it's shit a, over your hand. I mean, yeah. And, and Starmer coming up with this crap all the time, just recently, and if he backtracks on like, like that, then he's going to look even more of an idiot, you know, and it's like, oh. They're not an effective opposition, and because of our voting, no. our electoral system, you know, like, I'm a, yeah. I, I left Labour to, um, to join the Greens, because I was right, like, yeah. well, I'm going to vote with my conscience from now on. Yeah. But I've, I've learned the error of my ways. You can't, because the only yeah. actual uh, opposition we do actually have that has a fighting chance of ever getting in is Labour. Yeah. So yeah. you have to, and, you know, it's, it's such a fucking shame because, you know, yeah, like, they are not an effective opposition. 
they're, they're, they're not a united party at all. And, yeah. and the only way that they can make themselves remotely palatable to enough of the, po- of the, of the voting public is to water down their left wing aspects, yeah. you know, and, and move more towards the center and, and basically appease the same sort of people that the Tories basically do. Absolutely. Well, because if, if you want to be prime minister and, um, you have to win over Tory voters. Yeah. That's, that's the simple thing. That's, that's, that's the basic thing with, uh, um, with politics in the UK is you have to get Tory voters. Corbyn's not going to get Tory voters. No bloody no. way. No. Ed Miliband was, was obviously didn't do it. You know, David Miliband is more likely to do it. Well, would have been more likely to do it, but, um, you know, you have to win over Tory voters. And, um, I'm lucky I live in a, con- uh, um, in in a constituency in London that happens to be the nineteenth uh, safest Labour seat in the right. UK, so I can I can vote for whoever I want. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so yeah, because Harry Harm is my MP and uh, she's great anyway. So and but uh, yeah, it's um, yeah, that's the yeah, that's the problem with right. If it was PR, it would be totally different, wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly, one hundred percent. We did we did a, an episode on uh, PR a few months ago. We had to make votes matter on talking about how uh, explain yeah. how all that works and stuff, and it just makes so much more sense. Yeah, if we have PR, this would be a no brainer. But I mean, yeah, it, it sounds as if we share the same disappointment in our party. I mean, I, I've <laughs> been uh, ever since Tony Blair. Tony Blair ruined it for me, you know, because right. he just fucking killed. For me, like I said, there was that old romantic feelings that I have about yeah. traditional Labour values. And, you know, when Margaret Thatcher says that you're her greatest achievement, then you know you're the devil. Um, so. Well, well, uh, the, <laughs> with Tony Blair, that's what, when I realised, oh my God, and it was the whole Iraq war thing. It's just like, 100%. Mate, yeah. Stop it. Yeah. And, you know, death. and, you know, all our troubles now can be kind of, if you look back to it, Trace it back all to started that. from there. 100%. You know, with, yeah. with, the, with the whole, whole, you know, the war in the Middle East, you know, and the whole ref- refugee problem. Yep. And then Syria coming out of that as well. And then. Yeah, and the um, financialization of everything, schmoozing yeah. to the city, you know, all that yeah. stuff, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, yeah it, it could all be traced back to that Iraq war, basically. Um, and yeah, it's, yeah. If you would have said no, I think it would be one in a way better position than we are now are to still use citizens, yeah. you know, because, you know, the whole refugee problem, um, and crisis, you know, that's what set a lot of right wingers off, you know, a lot of the racists off. Yes. Yeah. And, uh, it doesn't look as if things are going to get better anytime soon. I don't think, I think we're in quite a hole now and I think it's going to take us a long, yeah. slow journey to get out of it. Um, yeah. I, my, my guess, I mean, I don't know. I've lost a lot of faith in humanity, but my guess is that labor probably will, Win the next one? Well, they, yeah, they will, but I don't know how long they'll keep um, keep on hold of power for. That's the thing. Yeah, because uh, I, I think it wouldn't surprise me if the Conservative Party do another shift to the right, further right than they are now. You know, right? And that's what that's what the really scary stuff is. You know? and, oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's, if that happens, you know, yeah, God knows what happens. If the Reform Party and and um, the Tories kind of merge, then you know 
Yeah, it's a lot of races in the UK. Oh, it? 100%, yeah, so. man. Yeah, and, that, and that's just easy to fire up when people feel angry and disillusioned and disenfranchised, yeah. you know, and, and insecure. You know, that's the old classic go-to, isn't it? And, and I've, I've said a couple of times in the podcast before that, like, I, I just see this pattern that the reason the, the, the Tories are so good at staying in power yeah. is because they pander to the, the primal emotions in people, fear yeah. and um, and tribalism and that sort of stuff. And that's yeah, a lot easier. That is a lot easier to tap into than, you know, um, abstract notions like democracy and yes. justice and equality. You know, they, they are more complex things to, to talk about rather than fucking immigrants are going to steal your job. Oh, <laughs> yeah. There we go. You know, it's as simple as that. And, and that's, that's what we need to have. It's exactly what you said. We need to have an opposition yeah. that are willing to play the popularity contest because it isn't yeah, just about policy. Yeah. It's about yeah. personality. Yeah. It's about passion. It's about emotion, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you know, look at Trump, you know, when you got Trump and Boris Johnson, you know, going, yay, look at us, whoa. And then yeah. you, on the other side, you go, uh, all right. Yeah, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. The, the, the one with the loudest, the funniest, loudest one is going to win, isn't it? The funny strong man. We're in the era of the strong man. You know, hopefully it's going to die out soon, you know, but um, yeah, yeah. No, we're, we are in a hole. It's going to take a while to get out, I think. I'm not sure if it ever will, if we ever will survive that. I think it'll always be like that now. Right, um, you know, because you know, what with the internet and all that, you know, it's uh, it's it's all about media and the media perception, isn't it? Yeah, unfortunately, so, man. Yeah. yeah, you could have the best policies in the world, but if you can't convey those policies in a in a decent way or in a, yep. in a good way to the public, then you, you know they're not going to listen to you. Yeah, one hundred percent, basically. Yeah. I should be in PR, really, shouldn't I? No, don't do it, dude. Stay exactly as you are, honestly. Stay exactly as you are. <laughs> Political PR. Ooh. Well, I'd be really good at that. Do it for Welsh independence, man. Set us free. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'm a card-carrying member of Plaid Cymru, by the way. So. Top man. Top man. Good for you, man. Yeah. Right, well, I'm aware yeah. of the time, and I feel like we could probably, you know, bitch about the fucking politics of the Tories yeah. all day long, and God knows I would love to, but you know, I know I can't keep you all day. And I'm Unfortunately, there's no, I'm, I'm sure I'm racking my brains for a way to segue this into the next <laughs> question, which I've got to ask you because it was sent in by one of our listeners who was dying to ask you this question. Um, yeah. And there's just, it's absolutely impossible for me to segue uh, the Tories to this. So I'm just going to have to fucking just jump in and say it <laughs> so yeah. as we approach the end of the chat. What is the one guitar pedal that you cannot do without? Yeah, it's the Line 6 Helix. Ah! <laughs> Honestly, it's the, if without that, I'll be a very, very quiet guitarist. Uh, for those of you who don't know what the, uh, the Helix is, it's uh, an amp modeling and effects modeling yes. multi-effect unit. Yeah. So I feel like that's a cheat answer. But it's um, I haven't used an amp. That, that gig in Perth in 2018, that's the last time I've switched on an amp. Every gig I've done since has been just the Line 6. Wow, Helix. okay. Straight out to the desk. So, so, yeah, so basically wow. I plug my guitar into the pedal and then there's a lead then that goes from the pedal into the mixing desk and that makes my, and that sounds like a guitar amp and with loads of different effects in it as well. So for, for the lay people out there, so basically the Line 6 Helix uh, has, um, uh, well, I, I don't need to use an amp on stage anymore. Uh, and uh well that's always a good thing you know gone are the days of lugging fucking well not that you have to do it but you know like yeah. lugging amps up stairways and stuff you know yeah so the so the uh the last the helix is like 12 and a half kilos it's you know it's a solid 
piece of uh, kit. But um, yeah, and every single recording I've done since, God, for six years now has been with, with the Helix. And I've ne- I haven't recorded with them now for a long, long while. That's amazing. I love Line 6 stuff, man. I had a Line 6 amp for years, but I've, I've recently gone down. I've got the blue guitar amp now. Have you seen those? Thomas, oh, yeah. Thomas Blue. Yeah, it's about I, that I actually big. know, t- I know Thomas very well. Yeah. Right. So, so, because um, I'm also I'm endorsed by uh, an amplifier company called Hughes and Kettner. And yes, right. Tom Thomas used to work for Hughes and Kettner. He so did, I, yeah. I know, yeah. So, um, yeah. I, w- w- when I do use an amplifier, I use a Hughes and Kettner because right. Yeah. It sounds great, and it's got lovely shiny blue lights. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love the blue guitar, man. It's fucking, it's a monster. Yeah, you know, it's about the size. You know, it's about the size of an A4 piece of paper. You know, and yeah, because uh, w- w- with the um. Uh, with my Helix, um, there's no compromise with sound at all. Right. It sounds great. And I, 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 actually, because it's DI'd, it goes straight into the mixing desk. Um, it, for me, it sounds better because there's no inconsistencies in the sound. If there's a microphone in front of a, um, yeah. uh, a speaker, uh, in front of a, a speaker cabinet. The problem with us was because there's so much bass and vibration right. on stage. Yeah. Because you know, the music is so heavy. The amp or the microphone would move even though, you know, right. it, it would vibrate and then Bounce even if the, the microphone, yeah, if the, uh, cause we're all in the in-ears as well. So we're on in-ear monitoring. So when the microphone just moves like millimeters to one side, you can hear it and it can right. kind of lose the guitar in the mix yeah. or whatever. Um, so, but w- with, um, the Helix, I don't get that problem at all whatsoever. It's, it's great. And, you know, I, I can, I can, I have carried it as, um, uh, carry on luggage as well. I was going to say the Helix because they've got so many now. I'm, a Helix is about the size. Is it? That's about the size of an A4 piece of paper as well, isn't it? Or is it the longer one? No, it, no, it's bigger. It's, a, it's what? But 18 inches by 12. Okay. I'm, I'm looking down on it now, so it's at my feet. So yes, so it's but 18 inches by 12. So it's, uh, uh, there's, they do a smaller version, but I've got the proper, uh, full fat version. Right. Cause I'm thinking of getting a, like a line six pedal. Uh, there was, I can't remember which one it was I was looking at because in my last band, my pedal board was about, uh, unfortunately, this is an audio only podcast. So people can't see the shapes we're making with our hands. My yeah. last pedal board was about like three meters by three meters in my last band. Cause I yeah. was the only guitar player, but now I'm just yeah. singing in my new band. So, uh, my, my pedal board is basically for the, for the few guitars I play rhythm on. It's just like a fuzz yeah. pedal, a tuner and a, and a lead boost. It, fucking nothing. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking, yeah, for a fly on rig, I'm probably going to get one of the small all uh, line six yeah, multi uh, yeah the, the the hx stomp i think that's um, the one yeah that, uh, that's that's got amp simulators in it as well sweet but it's it's um it's it's a smaller version of that it, it's got less um memory on, on dsp in it but um you can if you just want basic stuff like that it's perfect, perfect and it's right. it's about Six inches by four. That's, uh, that serves me. Yeah. Basically, yeah. I just don't want to yeah. carry anything ever again. You know, <laughs> you, you, you can put it in your pocket. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. That's, uh, that's, that's good for me, man. Well, dude, yeah. thanks so much for this, man. Like I said, I, I, I'm trying to be wary of your time because I know you're a busy dude. And, um, you know, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and talking to us about, you know, your, your amazing career and giving some insight and advice for other people, you know, other musicians listening as well and, and showing what a fervent left wing fucking red socialist you are as well you know <laughs> yeah well you know <laughs> uh, well, did I tell you I'm apolitical <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Oh dear. Oh, you get too well. She's in, in a room talking politics, and it's, it's always going to go one way. And you know what I mean? Exactly. It is. <laughs> it's difficult to be anything other than kind of left or left of centre if you are Welsh. So it's, yeah, uh, I think we're on the right side of the divide, dude. I'd rather be punching up the punching down anytime. I, you know, you're pulling up and punching up. That's the way I see yeah, it. You know, absolutely. So, what yeah. is um, before I do let you go? What what um, yeah. people look forward to with the band? What's happening with the band? What's coming up? Well, we've got these two gigs coming up in Brixton in March, and then there'll be more shows after that. Um, there will be more announcements happening soon. There's going to be new music coming out as well. Sweet. So, yeah. So, and yeah. So, I think we're going to be busy most of this year so, and into next year as well. So, amazing. There will be lots of, uh, well, quite a lot of uh, chances for for people to see us live. So, Wicked. we're doing a download. We're doing the twentieth anniversary of download. Oh, well. nice. And various other festivals. So, oh, you've yeah. got a good year ahead of you, then, man. Hopefully, <laughs> nice. Well, you fucking deserve it, man. It's been a, it's been a crazy few years. So I'm glad that you guys are back in full force, kicking fucking asses and taking names. You deserve it. Nice and, well, thanks, uh, James. Yeah, nice hopefully we we'll, we'll, we'll cross paths again at some point later on in the year. Definitely, we'll we'll have another pint together. Definitely, <laughs> we'll stay off the politics this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Perry. Wish you nothing but the best. Speak to you soon, man. James, bye, mate. Thank you. Cheers, bro. Ta-da. And he's gone. Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause, please, for Mr. Peredia Ab Gwyneth. Super, super lovely guy. An insanely talented musician that deserves all of the uh, hard-won success that that guy's got. And as it turns out as well, you know, a, a super hardcore firebrand, <laughs> red-blooded, left-wing motherfucker as well. That's the way they make him round here, baby. I don't need to tell you anything about Pendulum because everybody knows about them already. But if you catch this podcast in time, they are playing at the O2 Academy in Brixton on Sunday, the 5th of March. You'll also catch them at Download as well on Friday, the 9th of June. And as Perry said, there's going to be some new music and lots more live shows coming real soon as well. So if you want to stay up to date with what they're doing, obviously it's just Pendulum.com. Oh, they're on Twitter at Pendulum, Facebook at Pendulum, fucking Instagram at Pendulum, <laughs> YouTube, Spotify, and everything else at Pendulum. You get the gist. And if you want to follow his fire-breathing left-wing political rants on Twitter, you can do so at PerryGuitar666. That's Perry spelled as you'd spell it, P-E-R-R-Y, Guitar666. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. If you did, do not forget, please, to subscribe, share the episode, tell your friends, give us a star and a thumbs up or whatever you got to do to help the algorithm give me some love. And I'll be back next week with another episode, another awesome guest, and probably, yes, another fucking illness. Have an awesome week, have an awesome weekend, and I will catch you next week. Ciao for now.